<laughs> it would be a Wolves fan, eh? Good evening and welcome to Wolves Fancast. My name is Matt. I'm joined by Josh, Ed and Tom. And we are here to keep you scintillated after a thrilling <laughs> fixture at Molyneux this evening. Uh, gentlemen, how are we tonight? Can't man. <laughs> All right. Yeah, not bad, yeah. thanks, mate. Got out of dodge. Yeah. Got out of dodge with uh, another uh, exciting game at Molyneux. But we are here, of course, to discuss the draw with Nottingham Forest. A little bit of housekeeping first and foremost before we go any further. Just want to give a big thank you to our providers, Audi and to the Boston Coffee Company for their support as always. And of course, thank you to all of the listeners uh, on the show, whether that be live, whether that be on the podcast or however you consume this uh, podcast slash YouTube video. We really appreciate you. Stu is already in the chat, wants to get the important things out of the way first. I can only assume he's talking about I'm a celeb or some other shite along those lines. I've um, got to know but, what he's on about. I know what he's on about. He's on about chip games. In, <laughs> indulge me, Josh. Indulge me. So, I was having this debate in the pub yesterday with Dean. This is more exciting than the match, to be fair. So, you're at the pub, got a plate of chips, whatever. Do you put the sauce on the chips or do you put it on the side? Side, side, yeah, not an animal. Thank yeah. you, thank you, Dean. You better be watching. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad someone, I'm glad okay. Else agrees. I, well, this, this asks this answers a question of why I've oh, got go. this lined up. Yeah, this, uh, this answers it all now for me because I did wonder that, but yeah, I wouldn't have it all over. Because you don't know what else it's gonna it's gonna contaminate. There was I can't remember who, who it was. There's like Premier Inn has brought out a plate with a massive divider in the middle, um, which yeah, the beans. To the beans, yeah, um, it's the Premier Inn sign as well, isn't it? Uh, yeah, Premier Inn, that's the one. Well, listen, already we've got pandemonium in the chat. Um, so if you are uh, listening along live, please feel free to get your comments in and we'll try and answer as many of them as you can. And listen, with a game like yesterday, we need all the support we can get to get a podcast out of this because the, it wasn't the most um, exciting of football, I'm sure we can agree. And that leads me to my first question of the night, really, gents. Burnley, it was as dull as dishwater, let's be honest. Um, but this had all the making of a bit more of a fiery affair. Of course, we had the circus that was last season with Forrest, Morgan Gibbs, White. Josh, from your point of view, did you think this was going to be a bit more of a barn burner, a bit more a bit more fire and taste to it? It had that, um, it had all the ingredients to be a bit more tasty, didn't it really? With, like I saw a few, obviously like Saturday game, three o'clock, plenty of time in the pub, things like that before. And it had all the makings, you know, a chance to sack Cooper after some of the, interesting moments of last season and it, it just never lived up to that did it really unfortunately but oh, i'm happy with the point i'm very happy with the point i gotta say yeah it's it was one of those games really that i think beforehand you could have argued the case 
for any result that would have happened um, because of all of the external factors, such as the Cooper. Is he going to get sacked? Are they going to be up for it? Are they even playing for the shirt for Forrest, etc.? Tom, from your point of view, looking at the build-up to the game, did you anticipate Forrest going in a back five from their point of view, what would on paper appear to be quite defensive-minded considering they absolutely needed the win? Um. I don't think they need the win. I, I think there's a lot of pressure on not to lose. And we seem to be on the back of a lot of these. Like when a team's got absolutely hammered and the game before, I think half the time they're just looking then to just get a result or just to look a lot more solid and resilient. We saw it, I mean, years gone by when Blues lost, was it seven or eight? And they just stunk Molyneux out and got like a, I can't remember if they won or, draw, or drew, but it was, it was an absolutely abject game. Bournemouth last season. So I think, a lot of the time, I think teams are just looking to show that they've got a bit about them. And I think their lineup showed a lot about what they were looking to do. I mean, they didn't even play a striker, did they? So I think it was definitely safety first from them. And they were wasting time from minute one. You know, even before they took the lead, they were wasting time. So I think that told you all about their mentality, which ultimately led to the game we saw. Yeah, of course. I mean, they're not exactly Man City, like playing without that recognised striker. I think it was more like a necessity, <laughs> uh, more than anything. Uh, Ed, from your point of view, then, let's have a look at the lineup from uh, from a Wolves point of view. The big question, I suppose, at the back of the, uh, or at the start of the team, Jose Sarr returning. Uh, Bentley put in a pretty good performance uh, against Burnley, and many would have argued he deserved to maintain his spot. And, Saar's a very decisive, polarising figure in the team anyway for some justified, some not justified reasons. But as far as you're concerned, was Bentley unfortunate not to be starting? Or do you think, you know, is this as normal? Gary O'Neill has to go with his most experienced pros. Yeah, uh, I was on the re review after the Burnley game preview for this game in midweek and I said Saar should just come straight back in. Um, we have a number one keeper for a reason for me. Um Bentley did well when he came in, but you know it's there, there are levels to this, obviously. But you know, no one's questioning Allison coming straight back in for Liverpool, are they? And I, I don't think that we should question our number one keeper that we spent a lot of money on, uh, who's been banded around. You know, forty odd million people want him for to come straight back in, but probably leads us on nicely, Matt. To um, he does what he does, doesn't he? And polarizes people with that first goal. <laughs> He does, yeah. Well, we certainly will come on to that shortly. I just wanted to get the two opinions on this, Josh, Tom. Well, Tom, you, you go first. Saar, it's a difficult one because when you... Ten outfield players and you can afford then to play other players and try and get experience. But that goalkeeper, that lonely goalkeeper, you can only play one of them. You have to play your best goalkeeper regardless of where they're going, you know, Arsenal have been kind of victims of this this season. Where do you lie with Saar and Bentley and kind of maybe even looking past this game? Um, Saar's number one. I think he's got to be number one, hasn't he? Um, we saw, we've seen enough of Bentley, I think, in the times that we've seen him to know what he's about. So he's a competent keeper, I would say, but I don't think he's someone you can rely on over the course of a season. And I suppose you could throw that at style because he does have those moments in him but you know I think he ultimately is a better goalkeeper so I think you play your, be your best your best keeper it did surprise me in the week because there was a poll put out I think it was Judah who put it out and I think it was a 65% in favour of Bentley over Saar which surprised me 
Um, because mm. uh, most people I spoke to thought, you know, completely the opposite. So, I've, I've, yes, it was harsh on Bentley, but I agree with the decision. Josh, three for three. You in agreement? Yeah, or? I, I have to agree. I don't don't want to bring up that W game that happened a couple of years back, but that's what it builds. Down. You know, you got to play your best team all the time, and mm-hmm. it, it it was whatever happened. It was kind of going to go against O'Neill because if you'd have started Bentley and had lost, you'd have gone play your best team or. Yeah, you know, he didn't start. If you'd have, with what happened, you could easily go, Well, why didn't you play Bentley? You know, I think it's just horses for courses, but you've got to play your best team, especially in a winnable game like that. You know, there's no mm. time for any compassion and things like that. You've got to, uh, in any sentiment, you've got to pick your best team. Yeah, completely agree. Completely agree. Sarabia so starts again, and then, of course, uh, we went raw without Johnny. He was uh, taken away, dispatched <laughs> from the squad. Um, so, Sarabia, from his point of view, um, certainly lit up, I think, is probably a bit wrong, but he's certainly impressed over the last few games. And it's felt like we kind of went with, not safety first, but uh, an element of go with what's working Ed, from your point of view, was that the right kind of forward line and midfield for you? Did you think that was, you know, the, with injuries being the way they are, there's a lot more we can do, to be fair, other than bring in a few of the, the younger players? Yeah, I, th- I think that last point is probably the key one there, Matt, isn't it? It's the, there aren't many options off the bench. Uh, Bellegarde, we'll probably touch on later on, um, is the, did we play him instead of Sarabia? And, Maybe we needed to go with a more of a tricksy player because everyone at Forest seems to be about six foot twelve and uh, massive. So I don't think we could have sort of, you know, out, um, you know, out physical. The physical battle probably wouldn't have been one that we would have uh, that we would have come out on top for. So you'd imagine Sarabi trying to get into the pockets of space, which he did from time to time, um, was probably the only way we could have gone yesterday. And yeah, the the other option really for him instead is Bellegarde and and Sarabia is a little bit more um, of an established player on the back of a cameo against Spurs and then a relatively decent performance against uh, Burnley, which is, you know, we're not not talking about him being good against Blackpool anymore. At least we're talking <laughs> at least it's Premier League teams that he's better. He's uh, he's turned up against in this the yeah. last few games. Yeah, of course. I think, you know, it's kind of a needs must than than opposed to anything. We'll get on to that when we look at the league table, actually, where does Gary O'Neill now have a bit of a luxury in being able to try things a little differently? But we'll come on to that because results this weekend might have negated that argument altogether. But um, as the game kind of got underway, from my point of view, I very much felt like Burnley in that no team wanted to make the first mistake. I don't think either showed a huge amount of impetus. Josh, how did you see the game kind of unfold first 5, 10, 15? What was the what did you think was going to happen? What, what how was it panning out? It was not typical Wolves, wasn't it? That for this reason we can't seem to start. It takes us 15 minutes to get into a game and feel our way in. You know, you and I think that was what was frustrating because they're a team that's just lost five. I know that's going to work for them in a way because they're going to want, you know, they, they've just lost five. They're going to be looking to sit back and not nothing, like you said, don't want to make the first mistake. But it's just frustrating because you think there's a chance there. You know, they've obviously, he's made every changes in Cooper. Was it six or seven changes? Seven, so that's I think, relatively, wasn't it? exactly. That's a relatively fresh team that is. A lot of them want to play together, didn't play together in the week. And you think, 
look, go return from the off, you know, go for the jugular, early goal, 1 0 down, they're just going to collapse under that. And we didn't. And then we ended up making the first mistake and conceding. And I think that was what was so frustrating because it was like we didn't, we didn't start on the front foot and then we made the first mistake, got punished for it. And then you're chasing the game after that against the four at the back team. So we, it was just one of them. It's the first 15 minutes. And it was like, we kicked in together and then the rest of the first half was fantastic, but it was just so frustrating. Mm, I agree completely. Tom, I'll let you do the honours, unfortunately. Talk us through the first goal. It was it was a multitude of errors, wasn't it? It wasn't like single down to one individual. This was as blame can be attributed however you like, but it was it was kind of there's, there's a few errors there, isn't there, across the team? Yeah, definitely. It was um extremely scrappy in that corner. I think I mean, Totti, I don't know if we're going to do a separate bit on Totti because he had one of those games, didn't he? Um, yeah. But I'm sure he I'm sure he made a massive cock up, then sort of rectified it and then tried to play a pass out, which was awful. And they scored from 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 that. So, I mean, that that was that was awful in itself. And then we just didn't we weren't set, really. Um, as soon as that went to the back post, I knew that was a goal as well, because. I really like Samado, but if someone's coming in over the top of him, they're, they're scoring every every time. And I don't know if anyone saw the Luton goal today, but it does. If you've got someone who's just taller than you at the back post, it doesn't matter how good a footballer you are. You and and they've got the jump on you. It's a goal. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. It's it, it's it's one of them. It, I, it, I, I I've watched it a few times and I've changed my mind a numerous amount of times on it. To be fair. Um, he probably was in a bit of no man's land, um, but to to really really say it's ultimately down to him, I'm not sure. That's that's probably quite fair. And then Dawson was nearly heroic, wasn't he? Um, just unfortunately, <laughs> just just couldn't hook his foot quite around it enough. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that Luton goal today because there are echoes of of Wolves is uh, conceding that goal with Luton as well. You could argue with the keeper also, and um, and yeah, the back post as well. One of those like. Everything that you get with Samado, the trickery, the pace, the passing ability, everything has to have balance. You're losing the physicality side of it somewhat. So it's a, it's a difficult one. Let, I mean, let's talk about it while, while we're here. Talk about individual performances. Totti, for all of his um, short space of time, I think we need to remember how quickly he'd established himself as a first-teamer. Didn't have a great game, Ed, did he, yesterday? He, he looked off the pace... Passing his passing range was pretty poor. Very bad day at the office for the for the young man. Yeah, uh, he he has games like this, doesn't he? Where it's sort of like a brain fart for ninety minutes, isn't it? I think that's. He, I said on Wednesday when we did the the brief uh, review, do we move him to left wing back? Because Bueno was a little bit negative, maybe against Burnley, and I think with Totti, sometimes he looks like the second coming of sort of George Alakovi, where it's sort of it's all a bit clumsy. And it's all a bit sort of like, you know, he'll make up for it because he's stronger, slightly quicker than someone else. And then like that goal uh, we scored where he did a little roulette um, and mm -hmm. he sets it up, it, you know, he, Man City, was that Man City? I think it was, wasn't it? I can't Newcastle. remember when he, was it Newcastle? Newcastle, that was it. Yeah, Newcastle, yeah. that was it. And he'll, he'll have moments when he looks like um, a footballer rather than an athlete. But yesterday for me, I think he looked like an athlete. He looked like, you know, a bloke that's, Knows his way around the gym, but maybe not around a five-a-side pitch. That's and he has games like that, and I think we have to take the rough with the smooth with him. I think, unfortunately. Yeah, I've heard a few calls about the whole left fullback scenario. Um, Hugo Bueno had 
a difficult game as well. Wasn't allowed. We're, to be fair, the, the the balls into him were never fantastic. And then he never seemed to have that. I don't know if it's a confidence thing or not, but we're so used to him kind of either almost like a rugby, like playing the ball on and then and then chasing onto it or just doing some trickery to get around. It just just something about the performance from a lot of the team felt starved of ideas and, and, and creativity. Josh, from your point of view, how well we had one of the comments uh, just saying about how the left hand side down the pitch with or without the ball were were less than impressive. Were there any standouts from from kind of Hugo that you thought something's not quite right here? He looks like he's unfit to me. Like he looks like he's kind of obviously I know he was injured just before with what happened with that new, but it looks like he's kind of come back in and he's still not fully fit himself. And he, he just, maybe I, I don't know what it is, but I just remember, like, I didn't remember the contrast between him and Aitnu being so stark. Mm. I remember Breno being a really talented, like, he was so talented. I think he did, for the first part, like, he lived off that Palace cross for a while, you know, at the start of his <laughs> Wolves. He's like, that was the, he did that once and it was like, he's going to do that every time. But, like, defensively, he was just so weak and Neko Williams He's not a great fullback, but he put Breno to shame yesterday, really. The amount of times, it looked like he wanted it a bit more as well, Williams. It was like the amount of times Breno just couldn't go around him and things down that line. It was really, he looked unfit to me. He looks like he could do with a game out or or whatever, or maybe whether it was because two games in, it's like six days, uh, well, less than that, isn't it? two games, about three or four days. Maybe that was a bit too, too much for him. Yeah, I agree completely. Um, we've got some interesting comments in the chat, and please, as many of them in as you can. Um, no outlet for Bueno or Samado, really, once they received the ball wide from Andy uh, Jeffs. It's, um, it was a strange one from all areas of the pitch, really. I thought Wolves looked not about leggy. I don't think, like, the, from a stamina point of view or anything like that, Wolves were any different than any really other day. But I just felt some of the... Some of the creative ideas were a bit lacking. Where we weren't lacking, though, is, is Mateus Cunha's um, goal. Um, and he is starting to really become that player that is starting to turn the screw every game and having an impact in nearly every game that he's in. Um, none more so than, than this game, a goal when we absolutely needed it. Um Ed, from your point of view, Cunha, not only this goal, talk me through it, but the reliable kind of... There's a few reliable players now that are cropping up in this squad. I don't think we've considered getting anywhere near as many goals from as many players as we have so far this season compared to the last couple of seasons. But talk to me about Cunha in this game and his impact on the squad generally. Yeah, I think, what is it, five goals now this season, which is... um the trope about him coming into the into the season and to be fair, the start of the season was that he's great up until that last that last bit, isn't it? Getting it in the back of the net. But five goals for him and what eight for Huang. We are kind of spreading them nicely around the the front line. Um, Cunha, I I love him. I think his energy is infectious. He he engages with the fans whenever possible, and I know that's a little corny. It's a little sappy, isn't it? To to do that, but we all love it. Let's not pretend we don't. When a, when a player does that to you, we everyone get, goes in for it, don't they? It's not. It's you, it's a bit cringe 
when you, you when you look at it, but when you in the moment, it, it's all you want, isn't it? And his busyness around the pitch is, I think, he's also infectious. I think he definitely seems to be part of the the leadership group. Um, I mean, he's even got his own chant, so that says everything you need to know about how the fans feel about him. But um, I, I, my only concern is, I think, the the point that you've just pulled up there from from the guy watching. He's not a focal point for a number nine, so therefore that does make our wing back sort of not have that outlet. But what we do have in him is someone who can, who wants the ball all the time and will always drive forward. And I think that is something that we need to harness. We need to make the most of him in that role because he was able to do that without putting the ball in the back of the net. And now he started to, you know, that's a lovely finish as well. That's a lovely little slot mm. into the corner. Um, you know, that's not a hit and hope. That's not sort of a it's come off his arse and gone in kind of goal that he's meant that hasn't he and um if we can harness everything else that he was doing well whilst he's in this rich reign of rich vein of form we can i there's no reason why we shouldn't be looking up the table in to be honest it's so funny because for the goal and the, and the build-up to the goal it was kind of we remembered who the fuck we were it just out of nowhere we just started just passing the ball around in this smooth passage of play and just played our game not be dragged down to the level of the opposition, which is what happened against Luton, it happened against Sheffield United, it happened against Burnley. Um, it was just, it, we just we just woke up and then we scored and then Forrest defended resolutely again and, and then the game continued its course. But um, Tom, from your point of view, I, I, we'll talk about a few individual performances um, as well. Cunha, Huang and a couple of others have chipped in as well. But Huang had a, quiet game by his standards his high standards um where did you think he fit into what kind of stopped him being that eight or nine out of ten that he has been for us a lot of this times this season he was played quite central wasn't he i, I think it generally is, he seems to be his best when he's cutting in or or you know when he's wider and i know only i think it's because obviously neto's out so Sarabia seemed to have a bit of a free role, which meant that him and Kuna were up front as a two. But even when um, yeah, there was just one up there, it was usually Kuna who dropped deep. And um, he got out-muscled, didn't he? He, he, uh, he? The physicality just got to him. I mean, he doesn't help himself, does he? Just any time he can hit the deck. <laughs> that one that one in the yeah. second half really wound me up. That was right in front of me. I mean, that, that's just a dive, isn't it? And I know we've had a few of those go against us, but he's never getting a penalty from that. Stay on your feet, hold the ball up, wait for you know, wait for a contact if you like, um, you know. But he's he's got to do better than that. And if you're going to play up front, uh, you know, almost central player, you've got to do much much better than that. Fabio would be getting pelters if he was doing that. Um, so I think he let himself down a little bit, but he's got to keep him on the pitch because he's a goal threat. So I completely understand why he was on there for ninety minutes. Um, and you know he's he's had a, he's had a brilliant season. I'm not knocking the guy. He's, he, I just think I think he's he'll he'll get up another gear when Neto's back in the in the team. I think because those three as a, as a three as a three threat this season were, were fantastic, and I think that'll happen again once he's back. He's, he, I don't think it's a coincidence that his form's dropped a little bit since Neto's yeah. um, that team. Yeah, it's one of those where. The impact, whilst it might not be on the score sheet or the assists, even though Neto was, it's, it's so blatantly obvious to see. Put even if it's just put fear in the in the opposition. Uh, um, you know, looking at the the front the front three, put my teeth in as we have it um, in this game. You know, the three with with Sarabia, 
um, there. He put a lot of good uh, will and faith in with the fan base after his amazing goal contribution against uh, Spurs. But um, Neto just provides you that spark, that energy, something completely different. I really hope that he can get back up to speed and form as quickly as he can after his injury because um, obviously Neto hasn't been blessed with his injury record over his career at Wolves so far. So everything's crossed that he can. A um, couple of decent cameos from the subs bench. I thought Bubakar Troyore was barely at least alive. Makes it sound like how bad we were. But <laughs> he, he, he seemed really up for it, Josh, from, from my point of view. He was like urgent, I guess is the better word. He was quick to get the ball up the field when he couldn't play that outfield ball to Samedo. I really like him. And mm. I think that we're starting to see him come up the pecking order. And I think Gomez, as far as I'm concerned, he's coming down it slightly. I don't, I might just be me, but I think there's room there. I think there's a bit of wiggle room for Bubakot Traore to start to come into the team. What say you and how did you think as a cameo he was in this game? I didn't think he, he was too bad. He was trying to really drive down the line. Was he, he was trying to offer that eight ball for Samedo when he come on. He was really like getting down the wing and it's like, I don't want Traore there. I think I've got to be honest, I've watched him for the last two games and it. I'm maybe starting to shift towards if we can look at playing another midfield. I think with Bueno at the minute, you maybe you might have to look at dropping him, put Totti back at left back, and then I feel like there's more of an urgency to have three midfield because I feel like we've seen like such a drop off, and I think it it feels easy for us to be targeted. If Lamina, I mean, if you like the amount of ground Lamina's and Gomez, mm. uh, Lamina and Gomez cover. It's unbelievable. And I just and Troyore can do that, but Doyle can't. And I feel like that's where we're struggling. You could could have done with a player like Doyle. Yes, there's someone who's going to play a bit through the lines. Someone else like Sarabia is going to put his foot on the ball, maybe slow the tempo down a little bit and kind of work his way into the game. And I'm, I'm watching this at the minute. I think we could maybe do that third midfield. Or you can have Booby in midfield to start and have like Gomez, Lamina, Booby. You're just going to cover space. It doesn't feel like we're going to get overrun as much as it felt like yesterday. There was that. Folks could overrun us in midfield. They always had that extra body and that hurt us. And Lamina's not going to be able to cover like all them yards he does every single game. Because mm. you have a nice game, you're going to feel it and things like that. So, you know, I think maybe there's an argument for having switching to a free midfield again. Mm. Absolutely fair, I think. Especially for the points you made. Um, Gully, um, with his excellent Gully's tactical analysis, put a great tweet on. I don't have it lined up to show you, unfortunately, around what we kind of miss in midfield by having our current setup and what we've had in previous years. I'm sure if he's listening, he can enlighten us in the chat, but um, something I think needs a switch up when it comes to our creativity. I want to touch on that after the break um, in regards to what it is going forward that we do. Um, Ed, from your point of view, any, um, any other standout performances, good, bad or ugly, or is it one that you just want to, forget and move on to the next one <laughs> yeah i think we can forget most of it i think there was a little bit of a um you know not just the obvious chance that from from kilman that he sort of dallied on the ball a little bit i don't think he had his best game yesterday in terms of sort of we didn't see much of his coming out with the ball um and playing those playing those balls um that he's been able to do in, in recent um weeks i don't know if it's just because forrest really did sit back um and sort of the space wasn't there for people, but I, you know, I love Kilman. Um, 
part of the Kilman club for a long time. But uh, I don't think he had his best game in the Wolves shirt yesterday. But I think I don't think it really anyone was more than a six out of ten. I think yesterday, yesterday, like you said earlier, Matt, I think he summed it up. We we definitely played down a level. We punched down instead of punching up yesterday. We we saw a team come to our to our place that hadn't won in five and decided that we were going to play at their level. And I think that's when you do that, you're never going to get any standout performances. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly there. I mean, if the Express and Stars keyboard, the number six wasn't already worn away um, with some of our team's performances, it certainly was with that six out of 10 performance from the team anyway, to be fair. But what we're going to do, uh, we're going to have a short break, allow you to grab some uh, refreshments. If you're listening from the podcast world, then uh, go do what you need to do. But we will have a quick uh, break. And uh, in fact, just before we go through, I've got the comment, actually, Gully, um, his ears must have been burning. Uh, Aitner Rionetto raised the ceiling of this system. Without them, we need an extra midfielder for games and we have lots of possession. Far too predictable otherwise. So kind of echoing, uh, Josh, what you were saying as well. Um, that extra midfielder kind of gives us that capacity to do more and and allow us a little bit of release of the pressure of that bombard being bombarded and being overrun. So great minds think alike from that point of view. So we'll have a short break and uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about a few different things. Creativity, substitutions. Does Doyle deserve a run out? As we mentioned before, difficult run of fixtures. And I want to talk about the crowd and uh, one Morgan Gibbs-White that got off quite lightly, in my humble opinion. But we'll be back with you very shortly after a very, very quick break. Welcome back to Wolves Fancast. We are here discussing the draw with Nottingham Forest this weekend. Thank you very much for everybody who's listening along live or whether you're listening via a podcast or whether you are watching along on YouTube. Once again, please get your comments in via the chat. We'll try our very level best to get them read out and interact with the show as much as possible. If you're not already, first of all, what are you doing? But B, follow us at Wolves Fancast across the social media platforms as well. You can keep up to date with all of the content across the channel. So I wanted to talk about in the uh, second half of the podcast, uh, first of all, creativity in the team. It felt like we were lacking ideas in this game. We obviously know that we have technical players and we know that we have some real standout young talent. But Burnley, this game, Sheffield United, Luton, other admittedly against teams that are going to set us set up to defend this game, especially I really felt like we struggled with ideas and we didn't just didn't know how to break a team down. Tom, from your point of view, what, what was the key issue there? Was it one player wasn't grabbing the game by the scruff of the neck? Is it the fact that there's been a lot of games thick and fast? It's just maybe a case of fatigue. Where do you see this creativity issue lying? I think it's just a chronic lack of pace. And I don't mean necessarily physical pace from the player. It's just pace of the ball, movement of the ball. It was way too slow. It was way too ponderous. Um, I think the fact we did we couldn't get out by playing out of the back. They were Forest were happy to let us play out of the back, but it would go to our wing backs and it'd go straight back to the centre half. Um, so you miss. I think you miss so so much if you haven't got 
Ait Nori playing because he's a massive outlet for us and has been this season. Um, when a team sits in, you've got to have you've got to have players who can break the lines. You've got to have players who can take people out of the game. Kuna does it, um, but I mean, as soon as Lamina went off yesterday, I was I'd have I'd have, I'd have taken a point at that point because for me, Forrest became favourites as soon as Lamina went off because anyone with any sort of urgency wasn't on the pitch apart from you could argue Kuna. Um, so I think a lot will change naturally when Neto and Aitnori get back because they are those types of players. Um, but it's a it's it's been a problem for years, hasn't it? We struggle to break teams down when they're in a low block. Um, and to be fair, teams better than us do as well, don't they? Ultimately, and, and I think sometimes it comes down to a bit of individual brilliance. And the better players you have on the pitch, the the better you know you've got. Someone who's just going to you know do something out of the ordinary and I mean, pop something someone something in from twenty five yards. Um, I mean, you saw how City struggled against against Luton today. It wasn't a, it wasn't a bombardment by any stretch of the imagination, in my opinion. Um, you know, but eventually, you know, Bernardo Silva just just curls one in from the edge of the box, and it's game on. So I think sometimes you have to rely on a bit of individual brilliance. But like I said, I, th- I think a lot will change when Nori and, and Neto are back in the side. To be fair, yeah, couldn't couldn't come any sooner, really. Josh, big or correct the correct word used there is urgency. Felt like there was a bit of lacking. Maybe it's confidence. I don't know. I just, I don't want to be one of those people. And believe me, I'm sat around enough of them where I'm sat who groan and any time a sidewards pass goes side, you know. But they did feel like there was a... Scared isn't the word, but they felt like there wasn't... Uh, they not wanting to get the ball forward quite as much. The safer option was took more often than it wasn't. And how did that feel for you? Um, you know... Did it feel like a bit of a performance that we were looking not to make the mistake again as we were going through after we conceded such a sloppy goal? I think you nailed it earlier. Matter what you said about not being wanting to be the first one to make the mistake and not wanting to make the mistake throughout the match. There was that lack of just lack of quality, wasn't it, from both sides? You know, and I think that's what why we struggled so much. That you know, you look at our goal and you know, in credit that their goal, it was the one time both sides had a little bit of quality mm-hmm. and it, it, you know there was a goal scored I just think it it comes back to like we've what we've been saying earlier it's like you look at the midfield too like Lamina Gomez and they're not known for creativity and they're like yard you know I think they're really good like in for the yards and it's also a lack of options off the bench obviously we're going to go on to it I presume but you've got O'Neill's got a lack of trust in what's on his bench and and also it's it's like he's kind of wedded. We knew we said it on the uh, the show last week after all. So sticking to two midfield, you know, he played sticking to that like not taking a centre half off or or anything like that. Or and I think that's going to kind of hurt us in these sort of games because we need the extra body in midfield, like a Doyle, you know. Because I think that's the issue. This is why he's not playing Doyle because he's not got the ability to put the yards in that's needed for a team on midfield. And mm. I think that's what's hurting us because. You need Doyle, someone who's like a deep line playmaker. He's going to get on the ball. He's going to look for the forward pass, but he's not. He can't cover the yards with that. And it's like this is where Neves and Matini have struggled for years. Every times we've become playing against the big two-man midfield. I always remember Watford when we first got promoted. Ducore and Capoue just did an absolute number on and did that athleticism. It's what Burnley once mentioned the other day. Which games like yesterday when you need those creative players, the, the little mm. ones who've got that individual quality, that spark. 
Well, segue beautifully, teed Ed up a treat there because I wanted to talk about Doyle and um, what he offers, but what he lacks physically to compared to his, his output. Ed, is there, a, is there a case to argue for Doyle's input on the game? We've got you know West Ham coming up who were pumped today. Um, they're going to be you know potentially self-preservation setting themselves up in a more maybe a more defensive way when they play us is it time for Doyle to shine for you or you know by by putting in Doyle and changing the midfield to accommodate him because that's what we'd have to do is that too much too soon are we is it a bit of an overreaction to kind of go in like that seeing as where we are in the table where we were expected to be by pundits and fans alike what say you for me, I think it's a perfect time for us to try something different. Games come thick and fast. If it works, we can carry on with it. If it doesn't work, we can revert back. For me, I think I think we've got we'll play West Ham, then there'll be more games over Christmas. We we've got Chelsea, haven't we, on Christmas Eve? We can play Doyle in the next game. We can either mix it up and and play through midfield like Josh has talked about, or for me, he could maybe come in for Gomez. Um, I think Gomez does a very good job of of the shielding of the of the busyness, the the tenacity, which hopefully Doyle week by week will be getting fitter, so he'll be able to do that role um, a little bit. But I think why not try it? I think when we talked about um, the creativity, space was a premium in yesterday's game, and what we have seen in the, some of the cameos from from Doyle is that he doesn't mind picking up pockets of space and playing through the lines and. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't work uh, in the next game against West Ham, just sack him back off back to the bench and we'll try it. We'll try something different. I think Christmas might be the right time to try different things because the team and the fans will have to forget about whether it worked or not and get on to the next one anyway. So if it doesn't work, we can always revert back to plan A, which we know is getting us, what, 13th in the in the table, which we'd have snatched your hand off for the week before the start of the season. So I think I, now for me is the perfect time to experiment. Yeah, it's so ruthless. I'd like to see your fantasy football <laughs> man, the, the amount of deductions you've had for your changes. Uh, um, well, that again leads us on nicely to the table. And looking at Wolves at the moment, sitting pretty in 13th. Um, you know, I think it's 10 points from the relegation zone at the moment with uh, the teams in and around the relegation zone. I mean, they were, don't get me wrong, there were a few surprise results over the weekend, but. Wolves absolutely have a cushion over um, the relegation candidates at the moment. With that in mind, Tom, and the table looking the way it is, is now the time to kind of experiment and allow Gary O'Neill the time to really know, if he can, what he needs to bring in in January? Um, Yeah, I think he's got an idea of that already, to be fair. I think Josh summed it up perfectly earlier when he said he doesn't have faith in a lot of people on his bench. And I think that's so obvious. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me to see Fabio and Sasha both leave in January, to be honest. Um, I think they'll get at least a striker, maybe a winger. Um, but yeah, I've got, I've got nothing against giving a few players a go. The only thing I'll say about Doyle is, I mean, he, he's, he's played well for about probably 45 minutes, if we're being truthful, in his Wolves career. He was excellent at Bournemouth. He really, really was um, against 10 men. But yeah, granted, he, he, he took the gamble scruff of the neck and, and ultimately I think he probably did get us a three points on that day. But the other games he's played, I think he hasn't really, you know, he had a really good chance to, to sort of nail down a position at Sheffield United, didn't take that. Um, 
but yeah, absolutely. When the games are coming thick and fast around Christmas, you know, some tired legs. And I think he could see that yesterday as well. I think in the second half, we just ran out of steam and, um, you know, and there was just a, a chronic sort of lack of, uh, lack of drive. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Yin and rounds, you know, Christmas, why not? Um, g- give it a go. Um, I'd, I think one thing I've noticed in the last, at least, at least the last couple of games and before that, there, there are some shite teams in this league. I really don't think we need to be worrying too much about, um, you know, some of them overtaking. I mean, they were, Forest were dreadful, weren't they? And that was literally a good result for them. Um, but I think if they had any bollocks about them, they'd have, they could have got three points yesterday quite easily. So I think that shows you where their mentality is. Um, Burnley, woeful. Sheffield United will still go down. And I think Luton look plucky, but I, I think they'll... they'll they're just not. They're just not ultimately not good enough. So I think they'll probably, um, yeah, be one of the ones dropped down as well. So yeah, even teams uh, like yeah. even teams like Palace and stuff, they're they're worse than us. You know, what I yeah, mean? I think exactly. we yeah. are. We're comfortable. Yeah, this is it. So so why not? But there's so much pressure, isn't there, from owners? A lot of you know, position, um, each position counts for quite a lot of cash in the bank. And if if we are scrabbling around for those few million every season, then you know, it's it's it's, it's a tough one. Um, but I mean, he's he's already he's already come across this, hasn't he? He's already changed from what he ultimately, you know, what he started the season with. Um, so, you know, he's already had, and he always talks about being adaptable. So, um, I think we will see various changes, uh, you know, across the season. Um, there's a Brownhill link as well today, wasn't there? So again, I, I think they've already got a pretty good idea of what what they want, um, and they probably should do at this point now because what is it? Yeah. Two three weeks for the window opens. So. Um, I think they'll have their targets pretty much nailed now, and I don't think too much will change between now and and January to um, to change his mind. Mm, two, three weeks, three weeks till the window open means I am criminally behind on my Christmas shopping. Thank you for that. Done <laughs> <laughs> absolutely not. Um, <laughs> you mentioned the word leggy and tired, and I agree completely. Which begs the question: Why did Sasser only get four minutes, Ed? Someone, and I don't know who, so I apologise. If you're in the chat, let me know. Um, someone said, is it just ultimately the fact that Kalajic and Fabio Silva just aren't good enough for this squad? Or is there something else there from an O'Neill substitution point of view that means he should be the one criticised for this? Because what was he going to do with four minutes? To, it yeah. just seemed like a really odd substitution to be making. Um didn't really give him a lot of chance to, you know, we can't, it can't be the Everton game week in, week out. Um, so Ed, what was your thought process and how did you think he was going to affect the game, if at all? Well, I, he's, he's just not with four minutes to go, is he? I think that's, a, I've said before when I've, I've been on the pod that for me, when I look at substitutions, I look at the, the reason for them and I, there is no reason for four minutes. Of, unless someone's, you know, broken the leg they're on the heels with cramp whatever there is no reason to bring someone on with four minutes to go they're not warm they're not into the game they don't know the pace of the game no one's gonna you know the jimmy glass moments where you score with the last kick of the game only happen once every blue moon and it's not going to happen that often um i the only real complaint that i still have left with um with with king gary is um with his substitutions for me they seem seem a bit late at times, whether or not that's from what Tom's talked about, the fact that all Josh, whoever it was, one of the guys said that he doesn't trust the bench. Um, I think that's definitely part of it. Um, I think we, Paul Fabio's on a hide into nothing. He comes on with 15 minutes to go and he's just asked to run around like a headless chicken. 
You know, it, he's only ever brought on when we need energy up front. Sasha seems to be only be brought on when we need a, a plan B, which is a head on a stick up front kind of vibes. That's 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 the kind of vibes that we're getting from those substitutions. That they don't fit what who they come on for. We bring on um, um, Sasha for, for Cunha. They're polar opposites of players. You bring on um, Fabio Silva for a Sarabia or a Neto previously. He's not a winger. He's not a tricky player like that. They don't fit. Those two players don't fit the system that Gary's moulded us into. So against Everton earlier on in the season, we didn't really have a system yet. He was still very new. Sasha coming on with about 20 minutes to go made sense that we wanted to change it up. It was nil-nil. Sarah had made that brilliant save. That made, All of that made sense. Now when we know that the centre forwards expected to drift and stuff. We don't have a player like that on the bench, so they just don't fit the system anymore. Mm. Josh, let's get your take on this from your point of view. The substitution seemed strange. It felt like there was nothing. There was no impact he was going to make on the game. I hadn't even thought of it from the system point of view, like you, Ed. But where do you lie with this, the substitute side of things in this game, and kind of how there have been some questionable decisions from a substitutions point of view I think it just boils down to simply a lack of trust for me um, I just he's got like I think Gully said it on Twitter yesterday there's like 13 players he trusts in there and I think that that's what it boils down to there is now you know it's like and it's like before the game you could almost name the subs he was going to make yesterday and there was going to be Doherty was going to come on for Breno. Uh, Bellegarde was going to come on for Sarabia. And then after that, it was like, maybe Sasha will come on. But what I couldn't understand yesterday, at times, Forrest forced us wide and he didn't bring on Kalajic. I just didn't understand that really. It was like, Huang was having a poor game. I know that he's, Huang does that, he has a poor game and then he'll have a magic moment and score the win. And you're like, probably, you know, that's why you keep him on. But... It's just yesterday. It was like you could see it wasn't working for him. It wasn't his day. And he, he just doesn't trust him, does he? I think that, that's just what it boils down to. I mean, hey, can you not want to just like 15 minutes to go? It's 1 1. And you're not just lobbing Claudic on and just going right hit the box every time. You know, that's what I can't understand. But I guess mm. he, if he doesn't trust him, then that's why. And he, if he doesn't feel like he's going to trust him, then we're not going to win games because of it. And we'll be dropping points in kit, you know, like we'll. Yesterday, we'd have lost that if he doesn't trust what's to come on. So, I guess, what can you say? Yeah. I mean, the amount of times earlier in the game when, like, Samada would get to the byline and then pump it into the box that you'd want a player like Kalizic on. It's like square pegs and round holes. But speaking of uh, our uh, leader-in-chief, Gary O'Neill made some comments after the game. just loading them up on the screen now. We're probably all feeling, as the fans feel, we're just as frustrated that we didn't show more quality and more oomph to cause them some problems. Um, talking about it, disappointed that we lack quality to break down a very defensive setup. Didn't find ways of getting behind and uh, pleased with the work the lads have put in in the week. There's nothing groundbreaking there. It's not going to break the internet like Kim Kardashian or anything like that. But I think. We kind of summed up, Tom, how the game just felt flat, lacking ideas. Gary O'Neill isn't 
you know, media-wise, he is very good. He's very likable. And he's unlikable by the right people as well. And what I mean by that is on the internet, mm-hmm. those, it's like other clubs seem to have a problem with him. Ref, the ref organisations obviously do for mm-hmm. obvious reasons. But there's nothing there from Gary O'Neill that really is a surprise to us, is it? No, not at all. Uh, the one thing that I don't think we mentioned there was he said, oh, subs didn't have an impact which I think is a little bit of a nod to the board or to Hobbs to um, to give him some options. Um, and he did obviously mention the, the injuries and, and what have you. Um, I was, one thing I will say, I was, a little, I was a little bit maybe disappointed that they, they got booed. There's a, little, there's a few like, smatterings of boos and, you know, yeah, we weren't great, but, you know, I'll give them a, give them a break a little bit. The one thing I'll, I'll say about these two games, yes, we've been shy twice, but we've got four points. So there's years gone by where we've been shite twice and we'd have got zero points from those two games. Right. So if you're going to be shit, at least be resilient and, and grind out a result. And we did. So, so yeah, okay, it's not. It's a bit worrying that we haven't been great for maybe three, arguably four games now. However, four points from two games, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll take it. I probably would have taken it beforehand. So, so mm. you know... Yeah, yeah, four points for two games. Let's not let's not argue too much about it. Headline: Tom blasts fans in the south. Yeah. Thanks for that. No, yeah. well, <laughs> <laughs> no. To be fair, to be fair, there's the point I wanted to make. So we had John McGinn with Villa. We had Nunes for obvious reasons with City. Yeah, there was some. There was uh, early on in the game. Morgan Gibbs White was getting was getting pelters, but the crowd itself felt flat. And I know that's a direct result of what's going on on the pitch. And Gary O'Neill has talked in the past about how kind of the crowd can help dictate the game and vice versa. Um, but something just felt a little off from all parties. Maybe it was the hangover that I was certainly feeling that game. But it was just there was something just not quite there today. I don't know if it. It's just the the weather or whatever, but something just didn't feel quite quite there. But you're absolutely right, Tom, what you say. Four points out of two games, which could very easily have been banana skins for us going into a difficult run of fixtures. Ed, well, obviously, we'll have our preview uh, show against West Ham, but Fulham, again, tonking a team that we're about to play, doing us no favours. How do you expect the game against West Ham to uh, to be now that they are kind of having to go back to the drawing board and not face another dicking like they did today? Well, I've, I've, first of all, we've got to buy back clause on clause on Raul because I wouldn't mind that right now um, <laughs> after he back heels a ball in and then scores again today. West Ham are going to revert to to David Moyes' type, aren't they? They're going to go back to what probably similar to what Forrest are doing to stop this this rot. 5-0 to Fulham. Fulham weren't any great shakes when we played them and haven't seen any of that game yet today, but to score five against West Ham. West Ham look beat as well. Every week they seem to play the same 12 players and they play twice a week, whereas most teams only play once. So they're going to... We could argue, and I'm sure little Dan will, um, when he does the preview show, will argue they could be there for the taking in terms of physically, are they with the games coming thick and fast and they already look shattered. But he's going to go as defensive as possible, isn't he, and try and stop the rot. I think, like Tom said, that Forrest did yesterday. I think that's where West Ham are going to go. And just just on Mateus Nunes, um, watched watching the game earlier with uh, my mum and dad, and uh, when his name came on the pitch, my mum looked up from her phone and just went, 
that arse bag. And then just, that was the only thing she said about the whole thing. <laughs> it's a swear word I've never heard before, but I like it. And I'm, that's all I'm going to see him as now. He's arse bag. Just one huge arse bag. Absolutely. <laughs> um, one final thing before we wrap up this show. We're here to answer the, the big questions that people need to hear. Josh, this one's for you. We want to know, clearly, you are in the underground basement of Nigel Farage here with this <laughs> wallpaper. Um, and people want to know also what is going on with this wallpaper. Talk us through it. This, there is, that is the most patriotic thing I think I've seen this decade so far. What, what, Was this what a choice? Song? Is it Was this, Vol, uh, Vol, you know, Vol, Britannia, all throughout waves? <laughs> uh, it's... Like an age thing, I, I don't think exactly I going it. it was because I was, um, like I, I've been in this house like 10 years now, so obviously when I moved in, I was only like 11, so I didn't kind of have the sort of choice that I couldn't dictate and go, I want to sign Wolf shirt, or like Tom's got behind him, all them Wolf shirts. It was like, <laughs> you love what you give it, and that, that was the choice. <laughs> A bit disappointed, answer right now, but what can I say? Get the old Wolf <laughs> table out, mate. It's time, time, time's time. <laughs> I should just get like no, a fake short shirt. Listen, there, thank you very much, everybody, for uh... <laughs> yeah, that's the one. Listen, thank you very much, everybody, for watching this evening or listening when you are listening to it. We really do appreciate your time. Thank you for everybody in the comments for getting in touch. At Wolves Fancast is where you need to go for all of your social media needs. Thank you to the Boston Coffee Company. Thank you to Audi for being our provider. And thank everybody on the uh, show as well, Ed, Tom, Josh. It's been a pleasure to discuss Forest with you and hopefully the last of the more uh, laborious games that we have to uh, submit ourselves to week in and week out. Once again, thank you to those in the comments as well for giving us something to tick along with as we delve into Wolves. So have a great rest of the evening, everybody. Enjoy the rest of what's left of the weekend. And have a great week ahead. And we will be with you for Gully's Tactical Analysis. And we will have the preview show in the week as well. So have a great rest of the day. <laughs> it would be a Wolves fan, eh? I'm going for people, mate.